Well, we are starting a new series this morning, and I'm excited to do it. Uh, we're calling it Next Steps, and, uh, and that kind of has a little bit of a, a double meaning for us. It's, um, it's next steps as in, you know, what is the next step in this life of grace uh, for us as we kind of do that as a church? What is the next step for us as a church into, into that? And then also, uh, very practically, every scripture that we're going to read in this message is going to have to do with somebody taking a step or somebody walking or, or that kind of thing. So it just kind of seemed appropriate that we, would, uh, that we would do that. Now, if you are talking about taking steps or walking in church, and, uh, and you're going to do that out of Scripture, you got to start someplace, right? Where should we start? We got to start with Jesus and Peter walking on the water. That's, that's got to be where we got to go with this. So, so we're going to go there um, because Peter, uh, Peter, he stood at the edge of a boat. At some point, he found himself on the edge of that boat, and he stepped out, and his next step was out onto the water. It was a step of faith in that way. And so we're going we're gonna to go to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 22, and we're going to read uh, the scripture there. So Matthew 14, 22, if you've got your Bibles, open it up. It's also up here. Um, but let's just start. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Immediately, he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but Jesus spoke to them, saying, take courage, it's I, do not be afraid." And Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you onto the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, and he took a hold of him. And he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, you are certainly the son of God or God's son. Now, I recognize that this is a scripture that's really familiar. Uh, a lot of us, if we've been in church at all, we've, we've, you've probably kind of heard this scripture, right? It's probably happened a lot. Um, you've, you've heard messages on it, all that kind of thing. But just for a second, just for a second, imagine this outside of church, okay? Imagine this story outside of the, outside of the Bible. What does it sound like? It sounds like a myth. Right? It sounds like, like you're reading Homer's Odyssey or you're, you're reading uh, one of those stories of the Greek gods where humans interact with gods and, and somehow the god is, is like making the human float on the water. Or something like, like it sounds really far-fetched, right? It's very, it's very kind of out there. Um, the difference is we know that this is true, right? We know that this really happened, that we have this story that's recorded. It's an incredible and it's fantastic in the sense of like fantasy, but we know that it happened, right? Don't let the familiarity of what this story is or how many sermons you've heard on it or whatever, don't let that take away from what God wants to speak to you through it today because I believe he's got a really significant message for us all. Um, and this is not just a story with a, a moral lesson tied to it. Like this is, this is truth, this is history, and, and there was, these were real people and Jesus was interacting with them. So as we look at this story again, it says immediately Jesus sent them in a boat. Well, that means something happened before that, right? And immediately before that, Jesus fed 5,000 people with one dinner, 
He fed 5,000 people and, and, uh, with, with five loaves of bread and two fish. And that's got to be, uh, like, you got to think about the guys in this boat, like mind-blowing, right? For the disciples to see this, like they were there, they witnessed this thing happen. And, and before they even have time to process that, before they even have time to figure out like what just happened, like I saw, I saw this and then I saw that and then there was a bunch left over and what happened, right? Before they even have time to process that, Jesus sends them away. He's like, all right, get in a boat, go. I gotta get by myself, right? And so Jesus goes up on the mountain, he prays um, and, and he's by himself. And it says, as he's up on the mountain, the boat was already a long way off. Now the Greek word there for the boat was a long way off, the, the term that's used there is many stadia. And stadia is actually a measurement, right? It's 600 feet. It's approximately 600 feet. So many 600 feet. Think about that. So 12 to, 12 to 1,800 feet out from shore. The boat is a long way off. And the, and the, the disciples are out there. It says that the boat is battered and tormented by the waves. That's another word for that, that battered. Like it's tormented. Like it's, it's being tortured. Like they can't, it's a struggle, right? These guys are out there struggling. And while they're out there in this rowboat for a long time, Jesus comes walking out on the water to him. It says, from three to, if, if the fourth watch, so from 3 to 6 a.m., that's the fourth watch, Jesus sent them into the boat immediately after this whole thing with the feeding the 5,000, and that happened in the evening, so it's like, what, well, what's evening? Six, seven, eight o'clock, something, where, something in there. I don't know what's, what your evening is, what their evening was, but somewhere in there, in the evening, to 3 to 6 a.m. Like, that's a long time to be in a boat fighting the wind. You ever been in a canoe in the wind? You ever tried to keep that thing straight? It's like impossible, right? And if you're, and if you're fighting the wind, you're going against the wind, it's like you're, you feel like you're going nowhere. So these guys are out there for a long time, struggling for a long time, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden Jesus just kind of comes strolling out to them, right? And I kind of see him with a hand in the pocket, whistling, <laughs> right? Oh, hey, guys. I see your boat's tormented by the wind there, right? <laughs> right? Right? You see, like, can you see that? Like, he just comes strolling out to him. Think about the irony of that. These guys, hours, rowing, fighting this wind. Now, it's not like huge waves, right, because it's the Sea of Galilee, but it's, it's decent, and it's, it's causing them trouble. These are fishermen, professional fishermen. They're out there like, ah, come on, let's go. We got to get to the other side. Jesus said go. Jesus said go. And Jesus comes strolling out, right? walking on the way. What does it look like for, to walk on waves, like in that sense? Is like he going up and going, or is he like, whoop, here comes another wave, right? Has he got to jump over top of it? What's happening? I don't think so. I think, I, here's the way I see it anyway. You've ever seen the, the kids in, in gym class playing with, playing with the parachute, right? Play the parachute, you, you flip it up, you sit on the edge of it, it's a nice bubble, whatever. Well, there's a game we used to play called Cat and Mouse. One of the kids goes underneath the, the parachute, one of the kids is on top, and then everybody else sits around the outside, and they're, like, waving, right? Like, making this, all this ruckus and stuff. And I always thought it was really cool because the person who was on top was just kind of, like, walking around. And the waves didn't affect that person at all. They were, like, just walking on a level, right? That's how I see it in my mind. Jesus is just walking along. He's unaffected by, by the wind and the waves. Like, he's just kind of out for a stroll, just making his way out there to the guys. Um, and the disciples see Jesus. They see him out there walking towards them, and it says that they were terrified. They, 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 they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit. The word terrified there says, means that they were affected in their spirit. They were stirred in their spirit. 
but they see Jesus out there and they're terrified because he's not affected by the wind and the waves. He's not affected. He's not unbound. He's unbound by the laws of physics that are swirling around him. And here comes Jesus just walking out on the water. Was his hair even blowing, right? I think it was because this is one of those Fabio Jesus moments, right? Where he walks out and he's like, hair blowing in the wind. And he's like, in an Italian accent that I can't do, do not fear. It is I, right? He just walks, just strolling out there, right? Unaffected by the wind and the waves. 12 to 1,800 feet from shore is how long he's walked. Or maybe he just hopped. I don't know. But they're out there. And this is real stuff. Real stuff. We know this is, this is true. This is a historical fact. And as he's walking out there, Peter sees him. And I don't know what's going through Peter's mind when, when he says this. But he says, Lord, if that's you, call me out there. And, and, and it could be like he's, he's like, you know what? If that's you, Jesus, prove it. Prove it. Prove yourself to me. Like, I, I got to know. Is that really you? Prove it. Because they don't know if it's him. They think he's a spirit. I think it's more on the lines of Peter seeing Jesus out there and going, if that's you, Jesus, I want in on that. I want to be out there. I want to be out there with you. And I think Jesus with a smile says, then come on, come with me. Come on, let's go. And so I see Peter throwing one leg over the edge, right? I see him, he's sitting over there and he's kind of, he's sitting on the edge and he's, he shakes his head and takes a deep breath. All right. And he slips the foot out there. Hold my beard and watch this. Yeah, that's right. Watch this, right? Hold my goblet, yeah. Watch this, right? But he slips that foot out there, right? What, is it, what does the water do? Is it like hard? Is it like ice? Is it like concrete? Does it just hold him flat? Or is it like, like a mattress or on a trampoline? We're at the trampoline park, right? Does it like give and then catch him? What, is, what does it look like to walk on the water? I don't know, but he's out there. He takes a step, then he takes another step. It's a little more confident the next time. Little, and he just keeps going. And all of a sudden, Peter is out there walking on the water. And I think he's got to do one of those little, he throws over his shoulder and he's like, hey guys, watch this, right? right? And he's still going. He's like, check this out. Can you see this? But I think as he kind of turns back, that's when the wind or the waves, whatever, catches his eye. And he's like, oh, he gets a little squirrely. He goes down, Jesus saved me. Jesus saves him, pulls him up, and they go back to the boat, right? That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. What a story, right? What a story. Imagine trying to go home and tell your buddies that just happened, right? Imagine that, going back, to, going back home and saying, hey guys, you're never gonna believe it. I walked on the water in a storm, right? It's like, yeah, okay, all right. You, so you walked on the water in the storm, Peter. All right, tell me you walked on the water in your bathtub, but not in a, you know what I mean? It's like, what? That's, that completely defies everything that we know of. Like, but here we are, we're talking about it. 2,000 years later, Peter took a step that day, right? Peter took a next step that day. He sat on the edge of the boat, water crashing against him, the wind blowing that spray into his face, and he took a step out 
onto the water. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what it was going to feel like. He didn't know what everything was going to look like. But at some point, Peter decided he was going to trust Jesus and to step out. And he took that step. So in this new series, as we talk about next steps, we're talking about steps of faith, okay? We're talking about steps into faith. And and it might sound cliche to use this as a like, we're going to step into faith, whatever, but we're going to be that church. Peter doesn't know know what's happening, right? Peter does not know what is going to happen when he gets out of this boat. I can see him thinking, that's Jesus. Well, I think it's Jesus, right? It kind of looks like him, and I I know what he's done. I've seen people healed. I've seen seen, uh, people walk that have never walked before in their life. I've seen blind people see. I've seen uh, demons cast out of people. I've seen some crazy. I just saw him take one dinner, one little Long John Silver's dinner, and feed 5,000 people with it, right? Seriously. I just saw that. So I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm going, right? He's never been there before. He's never been invited out onto the water before. That's never been a thing for him. But he takes a step, just one. That's how it starts. There's probably some testing of the water, making sure it's all right. There's probably some holding on to the boat, right, to make sure that we're going to be okay but he steps out into the water in the middle of a storm and then there's Jesus and so he takes another step and another step and another step. Steps of faith for Peter, but it starts with just that first one, throwing that leg over the boat and starting. He's not so sure. It's probably a shaky step. Not sure the thing's gonna work, but he's gonna, he sees Jesus and he's gonna try it. Let me ask you a question. Why? Why do it, right? Why is, if it's a step of faith, why, why did he do it? Nobody else did, right? Nobody else did it. Why would he do it? Why risk it? I think it's because the boat wasn't good enough anymore. He saw Jesus walking on the water and he said, I want to do that. I want to be out there. Peter had been around boats his entire life, right? He had been around boats his entire life. He had lived, he lived on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. He was a fisherman. His family was fishermen. His cousins were fishermen that were there in the boat with him. He knew the boat. He knew what the boat did. He knew the, the, the predictability of the boat. He knew the, the safety of the boat. But the boat wasn't enough anymore. I want to be out there on the water with my Jesus. Joining in what Jesus is doing takes faith. Joining in what Jesus is doing is, is a step of faith, right? It's not, it's, it's not predictable. It's not guaranteed from the worldly perspective. It's not somewhere you've ever been before. It's not something you've ever been invited to before. It takes faith. This gospel, this gospel at its very core, a gospel of grace and righteousness, at its very core, it takes faith, okay? It takes faith. At the very core, you have to believe that you are who God says you are. You have to trust him when he says his work is finished. 
Just like Peter had to trust that Jesus was going to keep him up on the water, that he would rescue him if he fell, if he forgot what all, that, what all was going on, you have to trust that what Jesus did on the cross is enough for you. It's a step of faith to say that I've been made right, that I've been redeemed, that I stand justified, that I'm forgiven, that I've been made new when my thoughts and my behaviors and my actions don't show it yet. It takes a step of faith to say that I have a new nature, that I've been born again when I'm still wrestling with old habits and old patterns and all of that stuff, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith, not by sight. That word sight could be uh, or, or would be better interpreted appearance. We walk by faith, not by appearance. We walk by faith in what we know to be true about us because of what God has done in us, not by the outward appearance of the, of the things. Appearances change, but your DNA doesn't. When you are born again, when you are born of the Spirit, you have a new identity in the Spirit, of the Spirit. That doesn't change. You're made new, right? That's your new identity. The outward appearance will change and mature and grow, but the new identity does not change. And that first step of faith into trusting uh, this thing to be true about you and this thing to be true about God, it might not look pretty, right? It might not look pretty. It might be pretty shaky. You might be clinging to the edge of the old boat and, and, and cling to that old view of, of a God who is pretty disappointed in you and, and who might be a little bit angry at you and, and uh, who... who really is, is pretty disappointing the fact that you're still dealing with all this stuff, that, that really you haven't gotten over it yet. Like, come on, right? But Jesus is inviting you out onto the water by faith. You have to believe him. You have to trust him in this. And there's essentially nothing wrong with the boat. The boat's fine, right? It's okay. Jesus put the disciples in the boat and said, Go right? It's, it's all right. It's fine. You're not drowning, but you can't go very far in the boat when the storm hits. And you're confined to the itty bitty space of that boat when the reality is you're out on a giant lake, right? The boat's fine. Boat's fine. But think about the adventure of walking on the water. Think about that for your life. Think about the relationship of sharing in a supernatural experience with God. And that's the, what this thing that Peter is experiencing. It's just that. It's supernatural. It's not natural. This thing that you can experience in the truth of your new nature is not natural. Natural is your sin nature. That's what's natural. This thing with Jesus is not natural. It's supernatural. It's rebirth. It's a spiritual birth. It's a spiritual reality that you've been born again, that you've been made new. It's supernatural. And supernatural is scary. can be scary, right? Supernatural can be scary because we don't fully understand it. These men saw Jesus walking on the water, and the scripture says that they were terrified. They were terrified. Again, their spirits, they were stirred in their spirits. They were troubled in their spirits because their spirits recognized this isn't natural. Something's up here. This is different. What's going on? Who is this guy? What is this thing? Their spirits recognized that something was different. This was not what they expected. This is not what they had known. 
And one response to all of that is fear. You can be terrified. You can be scared. We're going to sit right where we are because I don't know what that is over there. But Peter's response was, I want in on that. I want in on that. Give me that. I want to walk on that water. It's scary and it's risky because it's unfamiliar, but man, Jesus is out there. I want to get to him. I want to, I want to be in that relationship with him. I want to experience what he is doing. I'm tired of the boat. So whether you're looking at this gospel of grace that we continually talk about, the gospel of righteousness, whether you're looking at this thing and that is your next step, maybe stepping out onto that is your next step, you're deciding if the boat of what you've always known, what we've always been taught, the, the, the safe part where 99% of the other disciples remain, maybe that's your next step. Listen, 99% of the other people are there. Nobody else experienced what Peter did. Nobody else got that. Nobody else got to, got to embrace that kind of a relationship with Jesus like Peter did because they were scared, right? Because there was fear. They didn't know what. It was different. They didn't understand it. When they saw Peter get out of the boat, though, don't you think they wanted to? Don't you think they longed to? Like, oh, my goodness. What a, why, can't, why can't I do that, right? Think about that. That, that, but they never did. They never got out. They stayed where they were. I want to, but it makes me nervous. I want to, uh, but I've never experienced that before. I want to experience. So maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're there. I want to, you see people experiencing freedom in Christ in here like you've never experienced, and you want to have that experience, but it's a little bit scary because you don't know, I don't know how to relate to God that way. Because I've always related it to him on this level of like, well, I don't know what, right? I want to ex- maybe maybe you want to experience freedom in believing that you're unconditionally loved, that you're liked as you are, not as you could be or as you will be, but you're liked as you are right now. Maybe I, maybe you're saying I want to trust the Holy Spirit to make me new rather than work my fingers to the bone and not really make any progress find myself in the same old spot. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting on the edge. You've got one foot over and you're ready to take that step. Or maybe, maybe you've stepped out. Maybe you're already there. Maybe you've already stepped out and you're into that and so your next step is something else, right? Maybe you're next. Maybe you've stepped out and you're starting to trust God with who you are and the next step for you it's to find some other people that you could trust with who you are. It's scary and it's risky because I've been out there in that water and all I ever got was wet, right? That's all I ever experienced. I only ever got hurt. But maybe Jesus is out there, on the, out there now saying, hey, this is where I am. This is where I'm working. Come on. This time it's supernatural. This time it's different. This time in this understanding of grace with other people here, with other people who were starting to understand grace and what relationships in grace look like, maybe it's time to take that as the next step. Maybe your step looks a little bit different 
Maybe your steps, your next step is into the steps of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. You know you've been filled with the Spirit because you believe that you've been made right through Jesus, and that's part of that whole process of being filled with the Spirit. But listen, have you never experienced any of that other stuff? And that's scary stuff, right? That's supernatural stuff, the gifts of the Spirit. Praying in tongues, stepping into the prophetic, believing that God still heals. It's supernatural, teaching in the Spirit. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was praying with somebody, and uh, it was after church, and we, it was kind of like two rounds of prayer, right? So the first round had kind of finished, and then for some reason, we started praying again. And uh, in the second round, I guess I ran out of words. Okay, I just kind of got quiet. And I started praying in tongues. <laughs> but it was under my breath, right? I didn't think anybody could hear it. Really, I thought everybody would just see my lips move but not actually hear anything because nobody's ever heard me pray. My wife has never heard me pray in tongues before because that's scary. That's scary water. Some of you are like, listen, I've been running on that water for years. Listen, that's scary water for me, okay? And I was praying over this person, and I kind of slipped into some tongues, and again, it was very much whatever. I don't know what that looks like. But I was, I was praying. My spirit was praying. And after about five seconds, she grabs me by the shoulder and goes, oh, was that tongues? <laughs> and I said, well, it was. Right? Right? It was. Right? And she shared with me. She said, listen, I think she said weeks. I've been asking Jesus. Maybe it was more than that. I've been asking Jesus to hear somebody pray in tongues. I've never had that experience before in my life. I've been asking to, to, to just hear it, just hear somebody else praying for somebody else. And, I, and never did she once experience or expect to have it being prayed over her and for her spirit to understand and for it to register with her. And I didn't even want her to hear it, right? Being a part of what Jesus is doing Joining in what Jesus is doing takes faith. There's a step. You have to trust him. So maybe that's, maybe that's the next step for you. And when we talk about faith, we talk about stepping out into faith, the water gets, gets murky real fast, right? So let's clarify what I mean by faith. Let me throw up a biblical definition for you. Hebrews 11, of course, says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So hope and faith are not the same thing, all right? We've talked about that before. Hope and faith are not the same thing. But as I look at this definition, leave it up there. As I look at that definition, stepping out in faith, a step of faith is stepping into something that's hoped for. Process it. Think about it. Faith is the assurance of things you're hoping for. Stepping into faith, stepping out into faith is stepping into something that you hope for already. That you have a desire for already. If I am rooted, if I am grounded in, in that I am who God says I am, and that my heart has been made new and my heart has been made righteous and right, stepping out in faith, the next step is stepping into things that I am hoping for, the things that I have a desire for, something that I long for in my heart. 
And yeah, we know, we know old thoughts and old patterns are still there. And so we always go back to scripture and we say, okay, does this line up? For instance, if I was having a desire for a new wife and I have an, a wife, right? We're going to go back to scripture and say, ah, that's probably not from God, right? That's probably not the way it's supposed to be. So we're going to take those things back. But if I really believe that I've been made new and I've been made right and I've been given a heart that is consistent with God and I've been made righteous, then the desires of our new hearts are consistent with what God desires. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he'll do it. And that doesn't mean like say good things about God or, or, and he'll just give you whatever you want. No, it means that when your heart is aligned with him, the desires of your heart are his. And so as, as we talk about this, this steps of faith, while, while steps of faith might be scary, while they may not, we may not have all the, the pieces figured out, the desires that we have are desires, excuse me, stepping out, these are desires that has already begun to stir in us. Next steps are stepping into things we hope for. Next steps are the things that we already have the desire for, the things that God, or, or things that God will establish a desire in us for. So these things aren't like out of left field, right? They aren't just saying, well, uh, there's a cliff. I think I'm gonna step off of it. No, it's like there's a desire. No, I, I, there, I wanna get down there, right? And so we jump or we go or we step out, whatever we're doing there. there. There are things that we already have hopes for, that we already long for. Think about it. Talk about righteousness and grace again. Think about it. How many people long for a relationship with God that is not based on fear or performance? How many of us long for God to be pleased with us, pure and simple? We just want him to be pleased with us. We, we, long to, we even say it. We long to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's why we're in the boat. And that's why we're rowing as hard as we can because Jesus said, hey, go to the other side. And if I can get to the other side, well, then God's gonna be pleased with me because I got where he wanted me to go, right? How, how many of us long to, to know that and to hear that? But how many of us actually believe that's possible? Because I just keep disappointing God. Many of us long for real relationships with other people. We wish that there was somebody out there that I trusted enough to be me with that person. How many of us long for that? where we don't have to hide behind masks, where we don't have to pretend that everything is all right, that I'm succeeding in everything in my life. But I've been hurt. I've tried that. I don't think it works anymore, and I'm not willing to risk it, right? How many of us have that desire? We long for that to be a real thing for us. How many of us long to see miracles? How many of us long to have dreams and see visions and, 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 and see uh, other miracles to be able to speak in tongues, and not just be something that I'm making up as we go to impress somebody else, right? How many of us long for that? How many of us would love to hear a word of knowledge and be able to share it with somebody and have a huge impact in their life because God just spoke something to me that I had known nothing about, and yet it means the world to that person? But we don't think, well, God doesn't do that anymore, or at least not, not through me, he doesn't, right? Your next step of faith is a step into something that you're hoping for. It's something that you're longing for. God is not demanding something that doesn't fit you. 
It's not the way he works. I've, I've talked to so many people, and I, I mean, listen, I've said it myself. Something like, well, I feel like God's asking me to do this, but I don't really want to, but I'll step out in faith and do it anyway, right? That's not faith. It's not a step of faith. That's obligation. I feel like I have to, so I'm going to. What choice do I have anyway, right? I'm going to give my 10% to church because, man, that's what God demands of me. I don't really want to, but I'll do it in faith because that's what expected. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's doing an action out of obligation or hoping to get something in return. If I do it, then God will bless me, right? We hear that exchange. Faith is stepping into things that God has already given you a desire to do. You might not have the means. You might not know how it's all going to work, but you want to do it. It's the desire in your heart, not just because you think God wants you to, but because you actually want to. Because he's given you a new heart and because that heart lines up with his heart. Faith is saying, I'm going to give 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 70% of my income because I believe what God is doing here in this place, in this ministry, and I want to see that thing move forward. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but he's given me the desire in my heart. I want to do that. I want to be the one to meet those needs. I want to see it happen, and so I want to do it. I may not have all the means to do it right now, but I want to do it, and so I'm going to step out in faith and see God meet that. It's a desire that he's put in your heart. It's no secret for the the first time that we heard of the opportunity to come up here and plant a church in Frankfurt that uh, after somebody shared, I mean, Pastor Joe shared it with me. It was like, that sounds a great opportunity for somebody else. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Somebody else is going to have to jump on that one because I'm not interested. But after having that first conversation over the next two weeks, I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't get it out. I started to think about what if, right? What if God's doing something there? What if, what if this is the reason that I'm getting restless in my current position? What if, what if what, I don't know, like I started to get excited about what God might be doing and I started to think what if and I started to have a desire for it even before I admitted it. Even before I admitted that, yeah, I wanna go, that I wanna do this thing. God put the desire in me and in Julia And we said yes, and we took that step of faith into something that we hoped for, right? It was something that we hoped for. Look at this. I never never understood this before. I never saw it. When you look at the scripture, people will talk about the scripture, and they will say, well, Peter, Jesus commanded Peter, get out on the water. Peter obeyed. He did the thing, and he stepped out in faith. It was scary. It was risky, but he obeyed. That's what Jesus asked him to do. But how many people... Remember that Peter said, I want to come out there. How many people remember that, Jesus, or that Peter asked for this? This is what I want. This is what I hope for. This is what I desire. And then Jesus said, yeah, come on. Let's do that. I love that. Come on. Come out here. Jesus doesn't drag Peter into something that he's not willing to do. Peter asks for it. He asks Jesus to command him out on the water. Peter wants it. He wants to walk on the water. He wants to be out of the boat. Yeah, he's scared of it. Yeah, it's risky. Yeah, he's never experienced it before, but he wants to be a part of what Jesus is doing and he wants to be out there. He wants to be part of that thing and experience the supernatural. He wants to experience the freedom of being outside the boat. This is not forced on Peter. And even though it is scary and it goes outside of all of Peter's other experiences and what he knows to be true, 
He knows it's Jesus, and he steps out. Jesus is out there. I want to be out there. But what happens when you don't know if it's Jesus? What happens if you don't, you don't know, well, man, that might be Jesus, right? It, was kind of, it, was, it wasn't real clear if this was Jesus or not when they first started at this thing. What happens when you don't know? What happens when you have these hopes and you have these desires and you have these things that you're longing for and, and, and you don't know if that's like Jesus or if that's just something that you would like, right? How do you know? It might be something that God's calling to you or it might, but you don't know and you want to know. Like, how, what do you do? What do you do? This is where people will take this story and they say, well, Peter just stepped out of the boat when God called him, right? You just got to do it. You got to step out in faith. You, you don't need to know. You just step out in faith and you do it. That's what he's asking you for. He's testing your faith. Here's my take on it. Ask. Ask him. That's not testing God. That's asking God to talk to you. And I believe 100% that he wants to speak to you, that he wants to talk to you, if you'll listen. Because I've always approached and said, listen, God, I'm willing, I, 100%, I am willing to walk on the water. I'm willing to get out of the boat. I'm willing to do this thing. Faith is not the issue. I just want to know that it's you and not me making this thing up. Ask. I've talked with two couples recently that were thinking about church planning. Both of them asked the same question. How do I know? How do I know if this is right? The first question I said, well, do you want to do it? Has God put a desire in your heart to do it? Is, it? is it something that you want to do? And then second of all, ask God, is this it? There is nothing wrong with asking God, is this you? Do you want this? And then expecting a clear answer. Say, God, give me the answer. I want to do it if you want me to do it. I will pick up my family and I will move halfway across the, uh, across the country, but I want to know that it's you asking me to do it. That this is you out there. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with expecting a clear answer? What's, if, if God wants you to do something, why wouldn't he make it clear? God doesn't play this game where he stands back and says, well, if you really loved me, then you would know, right? It's not how God works. It's not, not why would he do that? Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me. I want to be out there, but you got to tell me. Command me to come out there. I want to go, but I want to know that it's you, Jesus. Next step are things that we hope for and things where we're joining in what Jesus is doing. And there's no doubt that they can be risky, they can be scary, and that they're going to take faith. So I want to know this morning, what's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe it's not anything I've ever touched. Maybe it's got to do with your career. Maybe it's got to do with uh, go, what school you're going to go to. Maybe it's got to do with a decision about a relationship. I don't know. What's your next step? What's the thing that's there? What's the thing that you desire, that you long for? Have you asked for it? Have you asked if it's him out there waiting for you to ask him? One of the things that, uh, that's always stood out to me in the story is when Peter starts to sink and he cries out, and he says, Lord, save me, yeah. And Jesus helps him back. I always envisioned, or I always imagined when Jesus is reaching down to pull Peter up, he has this condescending tone where he says, you have little faith. You can't even do this. You have little faith. I thought you had it, but you doubted. 
What's that about? Can you hear that tone? Like, that's how I always heard Jesus. And I wouldn't even say that I, would, I, I, I could put that to, to words, but I know that's how I've read that in the past, right? I asked you to come out to me, but you doubted. You couldn't handle it. That's how we hear it. It's disappointment in his tone. And in that attitude, my response, or what I hear Peter, because I put myself in Peter's shoes, Peter's response is, what? You're disappointed in me? I just walked on the water for you, right? That's my, that's how, like, I, I, I want to buck up. Like, how, I just walked on the water for you. How can you be disappointed in me? I had enough faith to do that. Can, I can't ever please you. Those guys over there, they didn't do any of that. They never got out of the boat. How can, how can you be disappointed in me? I did it for you. Why can't I please you? That's how it always ends. You're disappointed in me. Why can't I please you? And that's how we approach God when, when we have this step of faith in front of us. And either we don't take it, and he's disappointed in us. That's what we think anyway. Or we do take it, and we have to cry out, Jesus, save me. I didn't do this right, or I, I took a misstep, or I got off track, or whatever. And Jesus has to rescue us again. And this tone that we read into, into Jesus, it tells us that he's disappointed in us. And it tells us that we should be doing better, that if we just tried harder, that if we just focused, how many messages have we heard on that? Where if you focus on Jesus, right, the author and perfecter of our faith, Peter, if he, he just got sidetracked and he sank. And if, we just, if he would just focused harder, he wouldn't have sank. But do you see how those two things play into each other? How, how we hear a disappointed Jesus and then we respond with a, well, I guess I can't ever please you then, God. They play into each other that way. All of a sudden, we turn it around. Well, how do you expect me to do this? We throw up our hands. And when we've had enough, we throw up our hands and we say, that's it. I'm done. I'm, that's enough. But what if you take away that attitude? What if you take away the disappointment? What if you take away the eye roll of Jesus reaching out? And instead, you imagine that he's smiling. And as he's reaching down, he's smiling to grab Peter. And he says, you did it. I mean, you sank right now, but you did it before, right? I know you got a little distracted. You got a little sideways, got a little squirrely, whatever. But come on, let's do this again. Because where are Peter and Jesus when Jesus pulls him up? They got to walk back to the boat. Peter walks on the water again. I believe it. He doesn't say that, but I believe it. They walk back to the boat together, side by side. Jesus got his arm around him. Maybe the other hand's still in the pocket, right? But they walk back to the boat. The disappointment's gone. And he says, what if we tried this again? Let's do it. Think about a mom or a dad that's teaching their child to ride a bike. When the kid falls, mom or dad don't throw up their hands and say, that's it, I'm done. I've had enough, you pathetic little kid, right? You can barely even reach the pedals. What's your problem? Grow your legs longer. No, it doesn't happen, right? What happens is we're excited for the 10 feet that they had before they smacked the tree. We cheer, right? We're excited about that. Like, yes, I can't, you did it. Let's go. Come on, let's do it again. After we bandage you up, don't tell mom. Right? <laughs> and you might say something like, hey, you know that tree? Maybe lean a little bit before you get to it, right? 
There's some instruction there. There's some like, but it's like, let's do this again. Come on, let's go. And Jesus reaching out to Peter is not an inconvenience. It is not, in my mind, it is not a disappointment. It's an opportunity where he says, you can trust me again. Let's go. Here I am. See, look, I didn't let you drown, Peter. Right? If Jesus was really disappointed, he would have just stood and watched Peter and said, should have believed, should have trusted. But instead, he goes down. <laughs> yes. Got some laughs on my joke. Sorry. But, G- but, but Peter, Jesus reaching out to Peter is not an inconvenience. It's not an inconvenience. It's not a disappointment. It's an opportunity to trust him again. Why doesn't the worship team come on back up? When we project a disappointed tone into Jesus and we respond with, I did this for you, Jesus. How can you be disappointed? I did this for you, Jesus. That tells me something about our expectations when we're talking about faith and about stepping out into faith and all this kind of stuff, right? We're trying, we're trying to, uh, to make Jesus proud of us somehow. We're trying to get some, some feedback, a, a pat on the back, a well done. Uh, that, that's our motivation for doing this step of faith thing because we're saying, I did this for you. I want you to be proud of me. I don't want you to be disappointed in me again. But Jesus is turning this around and he's saying, I just gave you the opportunity to step into what I have done for you. This is not about you doing something for God. This is about what he has done for you. Next step, steps of faith are not about what God wants you to do for him. They're about what he has already done for you and what's possible in your life because he did it, right? Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now we can abuse that scripture all day long if we want, right? You can't please God. You gotta have more faith. You can't please God. But that's not saying that you gotta have more faith to please Jesus. And if you don't have faith and he's disappointed in you, that's saying that with faith, you can trust him. When you trust him, it pleases him. He loves it when you trust him. He loves it when you take a step out, when you're not sure. That's what he desires for you and me, that we would trust him, that we would trust what he's done in Jesus, that we would stop the rowing, stop the fighting, and that we would just step out onto the water, into the freedom of what he's called us to do. We get to join in what he's doing because of what he's done. Why don't you all stand up to your feet? So the question's still out there. What's your next step? What's the step of faith that's laying in front of you, that's sitting in front of you? We've got some people in the back who want to pray with you. Um, and I think they'll have a lanyard on. There'll be a prayer team. They may take you out into the hall further or the alcove or whatever. But what's your next step? Last week, Jesus showed me a picture of the Baptist health symbol. I still don't know what that means, but I don't know of anybody that responded, so I'm going to throw it out there again because I saw it again this morning. There's something up with Baptist health, with the hospital, with the system, and it means something to somebody, whether that's a new career, whether that's leaving a career, whatever. Like, 
I believe that's, that's the word. So I'm just gonna throw that out again. If we can pray with you about that, about anything else, whether we're talking about careers or we're talking about family, whether that means you're, you're trusting Jesus with your family and who he is in them, maybe that's your next step to start to trust Jesus with your own family and who he is and who he's developing them into because they're new in Christ. But we're gonna go into a couple more songs and let's, let's sing and let's worship some more and then we'll be out.